And today we're going to talk about who has influenced us musically growing up. And we'll get into that and a, and a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, I guess that and mentors, who has shaped us, you know. Yeah, the, the music the, that made us and the mentors who shaped us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that. That's a great yeah, title. Oh, thank you, man. It's a great thank title. You. We'll thank have to you. use that when we post this. <laughs> <laughs> Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, and Drew Brown, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and worship leader. Both hope to share insights into Christian music, exploring ministry, message, and everything in between. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Drew. Welcome to Between the Grooves, episode 186. It's your weekly look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. Drew, how are you? Oh, man, I am ready to party. Wanted to chat briefly, uh, Drew, about Carmen. Uh, he, oh. He passed away last week. Um, I know that Anita talked a bit about it and got reaction this last Friday on uh, Faith Strong Today's weekly news roundup. You can watch that at faithstrongtoday.com. Can I tell you, Carmen was so influential in the CCM world, and yet I don't know if I would define him as an artist, like a musician, musical artist, or a storyteller, because (laughs) most of his music was a story. Like if you saw him, quote unquote, in concert, it, it yeah, it was a concert, I suppose, but there was a story with every song. Like his songs were stories. Yeah, he kind of, I mean, I think his most popular stuff were the stuff when he was just sort of telling stories. Yeah. Um, Lazarus. He was also a singer. He was also a great oh, singer. Yeah, and, I know. And, and, and so it, he sort of had this blend of uh, he's a musician. But then all of a sudden he's like the spoken word poet storyteller guy, guy. And that was always, I mean, his famous stuff was always the stories, you know, which yeah. is invitation was an amazing, you know, like yeah. he was, yeah, the Lazarus, the champion, right? These are all like oh, champions, famous, the champion. Like how many lyrics are in that song? If you want to call it a song, right? <laughs> this is the thing. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, he was so good at, yeah. Being a, being a vocalist, being a singer, um, a songwriter for sure. But man, what really made um, him, you know, the, the person that we all sort of grew up loving were these storytelling, these storytelling moments, these spoken word moments. Yeah. That's where he really just broke through and it was amazing. And, and what he did too, and I think this speaks volumes as far as his contribution to the CCM world is the music videos that went hand in hand were really good. I mean, you look at them really, now really and, and you looked at, you know, you look now and you think, well, they're okay. No, they were, they were like in the day, they were probably, you know, um, top of the line as far as music videos are concerned. Like, I'm not talking a music video where it's just a bunch of guys on stage just playing their instruments like, like you see in some music videos. No, these, because they were stories, they were acted out stories and, and the production value on these things was amazing. Um, yeah. Like he did stuff and, and set the stage for a lot of, for a lot of musicians out there, um, again, what he did was very unique, and mm. uh, he was so um, he was so focused on reaching the lost. He really was. If if you looked at he his was. concerts, 
did you know and and I I I forgot about this but but I realized it's such a true statement that if you went to his concert you didn't pay anything like it was free. That's right. That's right. And that that takes a lot of work right now. Can you imagine now going to a prominent artist's um concert in person and it's free? Like it's just unheard of, but he was, yeah. uh, he had a team around him or whether it was him personally, uh, was able to partner with other organizations to offset the cost so that people could attend his concerts for free. And so, you know, giving the salvation message at the end of the concert, you can bet that the front of the place was just packed with people, um, just wanting to know God. I, I, uh, I think it's phenomenal what he did. I don't, I don't know of any other group or artist that was able to accomplish what he accomplished. I remember growing up and going to numerous like conferences or youth retreats or whatever. And you can almost guarantee that at some point we will see at least one Carmen video. Yeah. It was just, it was just like a staple of, of part of the experience because what he did again, he was such a great storyteller and because he knew how to tell a great story, not just musically, but also visually, these movies, these little mini movies that he would create, essentially, were just so brilliant, so good. And yeah, super dated. Sure, no problem. Yeah, that's that's okay. You can't deny just how great they were and how great of a showman he was. Yeah, He knew how to – he was all about the ministry, but he knew how to put on a great show through these videos. Church, yeah. Churches back in the 80s, if they wanted to have a Sunday morning or a Sunday night service and either have the youth take the service or have the youth participate in the service, you knew that it was going to be a Carmen song that they were acting out, right? You just knew exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Whether At it be some the, point, yeah. yeah, Lazarus, right. the champion, whatever else, uh, it was right. just a given because his songs lended to that. And of course, the youth loved it anyways. And yeah. and then the congregation would just get totally into it. It's like, oh, our youth are so amazing. Well, they are, but also it was an amazing song to start with, right? That's right. That's so right. Yeah, uh, sad news about him passing away, but uh, he yeah. certainly leaves a legacy. And uh, it's. I, I would be interested to see how many people have looked back now and played some of those videos, because I certainly did. As soon as I heard he passed away, I'm searching on YouTube or wherever else, just trying to find some of those music videos so I could see them and, and remember uh, and some of them are live performances. Like there's not tons of stuff on there, but enough to, you know, reflect back and think, wow, what an amazing, um, what an amazing guy he was. And so focused on what it was all about, what life was all about, you know, for a guy like him. That's right. Uh, what a great guy. So yeah, just That's if right. you want more information or uh, you'd like to hear uh, and see what uh, what Faith Strong Today did on that, you can check that out at faithstrongtoday.com. Anita has a great little uh, roundup and uh, reaction uh, from last Friday, faithstrongtoday.com. And if Carmen is new to you, why not check out some of his music? It's definitely worth checking out for sure. Addicted to Jesus was an amazing album and Revival in Land was the classic one for sure. Check out Carmen's stuff and get to know what some of these people are talking about, what they're missing. I'm thankful for his contribution to the CCM world. It really is timeless. It really is. It really is. Yeah. So it's been a while since we had a host episode and I thought, I thought it's time to do that again, Drew. What do you think? You know, I fully agree. I fully agree. It's been a long time. It has been. We've had people requesting it in the past. They like us chatting about stuff and goofing off and stuff. And so uh, that's what we thought we would do today. And today we're going to talk about who has influenced us musically growing up. And we'll get into that and a, and a bunch of other stuff as well. 
Um, I guess that and mentors who has shaped us, you know. Yeah, the, the music in, that made us, and the mentors who shaped us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that. That's a yeah, great man. title. Oh, thank you, man. It's a great thank title. You. We'll thank have you. to use that when we post this on uh, on all the uh, podcast sites. <laughs> that's right. There you go. That's uh, that's a hint to Travis, our producer. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I- so I guess to start, um, has anybody in particular stood out to you as far as a mentor growing up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, um, I haven't. I didn't have a whole lot of great music teachers growing up, like both in terms of like private practices or in school. But there was one in particular that was fantastic, and his name was uh, was Mr. Dawson, uh, Clyde Dawson. Oh, how did he you know his first name? Because I mean, in school, it's always a Mr. or Mrs., right? Yeah, I, I, that, that's his way. <laughs> I, I I I was that kid that was kind of like. <clears throat> being a jerk <laughs> yeah and he, would, and he was he was kind of teacher who would throw chalk at me whenever i did that right so, now, <laughs> he's like no <laughs> post-secondary education you know college or university you can usually get away with yeah. that they they you know yeah, encourage yeah, yeah. you to have that first name you know basis that's but, right but in, like, uh, in high school or no yeah, no, no. I don't think so. <laughs> oops and, yeah exactly and he was great he was um he, he was a christian as well and he um was in a local sort of Christian band, but also did the bars and the clubs, and um, and he was an amazing bass player, an incredible bass player, and he um, did he he led he taught music in such a great way, where it wasn't just about theory, nor was it just about playing by ear, but he would give kids the opportunity to kind of just be artists, and so most schools have like you know a stage band or like a jazz band, sure, right? That's usually the two major things, right? So it's like a a big jazz ensemble or maybe a classical type thing. He would do like a full on rock band. He would do he would do like he would find like an artist and say, okay, let's do a cover band of this, right? And so we did like we did like Blues Brothers covers, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, or he would say, okay, you guys are really really great. Go do whatever you want and sort of start a band and see how that works for you. Now, what grade was and, this? This would have been for me grade 10, 11, okay. and I think 12. The great oh, no, years 10, for 11, that. 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because you can and totally so I, explore the whole music scene in those grades, and and it might be a huge influence as far as what you're going to do as a career as well. And, and it was. And so most of the guys I was in a band with are still doing either music business or teaching music or they're full-time musicians. Um, I think there's only one person who's, I think he became a doctor, but and he's doing better than everybody else. But nonetheless... <laughs> Um, Musically yeah, speaking, so he, he's a doctor. You, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta qualify that. That's, that's right. That's right. And so, he, yeah, he he was really great at doing that and really teaching and mentoring and just allowing kids to kind of figure out their own voice and figure out their own techniques, but also teaching, you know, proper techniques. The cool thing is that he, um, just a few years ago, I was playing at a church and I was leading worship there. They, they brought me in to lead worship. And the music team was just fantastic, just an incredibly gifted team. And I was um, playing with this bass player, and he was just doing all the cool like rock moves, you know, the stances and stuff. And uh, he was he was giving, it. and we got along super super well. And we're in the green room, sort of um, right before the service started. And I was like, man, you remind me of a of my music teacher. He was like so good, bass player. You know, just killer, killer. Yeah, he was awesome. And he was like, oh, that's cool, because my dad's a music teacher. I'm like, oh, really? That's cool. Wait a minute. What's her name? <laughs> and it was it was Dawson's kid wow. that I was playing with. Wow. 
it was like it, so random out of all the churches and of all the plays of all the bass. Pl- so did so, you get a, yeah. did you get a chance to meet up with his dad? I did not. I, oh, not. Okay. We, I think um, he uh, he took a, like a selfie and sent to his dad and said, I was like, oh, my God. Right. So it was pretty cool to connect that yeah. way. And um, yeah, just small world. And also it was a nice way to kind of like let his dad know that, like, hey, I'm actually doing music. I've been doing this for the last few, like a long time now. And and, oh, and in the Christian community. And the Christian community. Yeah. Yeah. He was very nice. pleased about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you know, how about you? How about you, man? Well, for me, I think my greatest musical influence uh, was a teacher that I had in grade six. She was my homeroom teacher, but she was also the music teacher. So uh, we were in that class a whole lot. Her name was Frances Wallace. It was at Hollycrest Middle School in Etobicoke. Uh, yes. and, uh, and I was only there for about two and a half years before we moved away uh, to Brampton, Ontario. But But while I was there, I mean, she... Um, I was just this shy little kid, and I guess she recognized that I had musical ability. Um, I came from a very, uh, I come from a very musical family, as it is, and I guess she must have heard me sing because you have to sing in music class or whatever as a group. Right, right. So she encouraged me to sign up for the choir, and in the end, I ended up singing in the main choir, the boys' choir, and the boys' triple trio. So basically, nine of us. Uh, to the point where we were, uh, you know, appearing, you know, performing at, uh, you know, awards things where, you know, you, you're competing nice. against other boys' choirs or whatever else. And we won awards. It was the Kiwanis Festival uh, in Toronto. And so we won many awards. And uh, even the boys' triple trio, because it was just the nine of us, we would actually uh, go performing at retirement homes during school hours, which was awesome. Right, <laughs> you right, know, yes. Great excuse exactly. to get out of class. And, That's right. And, uh, you know, it, it, she was such a phenomenal uh, music teacher. And, you know, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a gift to recognize somebody else's gift. Mm, and, and I, well said, and man. I think she was brilliant at that. And the sad thing is, is over the years, I've always thought, you know, I'd love to connect with her again and stuff. And so you doing, you know, you start doing some Google searches and stuff. And, and, uh, I met years ago, I was trying to search for her name, you know, Francis Wallace, you know, um, could never find, you know, if she was in a retirement home, for instance, you wouldn't be able to find that out, you know, because of privacy laws and whatnot. So you wouldn't see that that's right, that's in your right. Google search and stuff. And then recently, like in the last couple of weeks, I, I did a roundabout search because I knew her husband. I didn't know her husband, but I knew her husband worked at a particular company. And I found out that he had passed away um, a few years back and uh, his wife, who was my teacher, had passed away like in 2002 or 2003 or something like that. So I'm a little disappointed because um, if there was one person I'd want to go back and, you know, pop my head in and say, hello, you know, remember me type thing, she would be yeah. the one. And uh, so she's gone now. But she was like she she was so gifted um, and and, you know, she directed all the choirs and stuff like that. So it was great. I, I remember I remember. Uh, this would have been grade six. So I remember going back into grade seven and uh, school hadn't even started yet, but the teachers were there a week early and I volunteered. I don't know how this happened, how I got in touch with her, but I volunteered to help. She was moving classrooms. She was music, music, um, moving physically into a different classroom and I volunteered to help. 
And so this was a week before school started. So me and a buddy, we went to the school and we're working for hours, just putting up musical posters and everything else. Like that was the type of influence she had on me. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And so, yeah, she was, she was awesome. So, you know, if, if there's anybody, you know, any of our listeners that, that have had anybody in the past influence them, um, you know, look them up, see if you can connect with them again and yeah, let them know, because I totally. think people would appreciate that. You know, if they have had some kind of influence, particularly school teachers, like this was grade six, who would have right. thought years later I would be involved somewhat in the, in the music business. I mean, from there, I mean, I, I, you know, led worship in my church, uh, was a backup singer, was very involved musically, uh, played in the church band, played various instruments and stuff. I don't think any of that would have happened without her influence, really. Right. So, right. yeah. Now, let's talk about um, non-mentors, I guess, people that okay. have somehow influenced your music career, um, whether on the radio or just an artist growing up that you listen to. Has there anybody, has anybody stood out as far as that's concerned? I, um, that list is long, far and wide. It's, yeah. Um, I think for me, the the first few artists I can think of are kind of like you two, um, musically for sure, but also the way how they, um, they connect to people on a sort of a social justice platform. Like how can we best like help the needy? How can we, you know, sort of fight for social reform? They're really, they, they really speak out well on politics, which I really appreciate. I think that's powerful. And same with Peter Gabriel, um, both musically but also politically, just how he also is kind of like, how can we best um, do some good work for change, but also do some good music? So those two artists for me are like huge. But then it's like in the jazz world, I think about like the Marcellus Brothers and Miles Davis. I think about Radiohead. I think about Sting. In the Christian world, I think about like Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith and, yeah. you know, the, the, the Winans and uh, Commission, you know, back in the day, these old sort of R&B gospel stuff and Whiteheart for like, you know, hard rock. Because Whiteheart was different than most um, Christian bands because they started off being this weird uh, amalgamation of like random session musicians like the Huff Brothers and Steve Green. Um, and they sort of kept that all these incredible session players, guys who play with like Keith Urban now and play with like yeah. all these in, insane session session players all in one band. So the music wasn't just the usual CCM. It was just really thought provoking and interesting and smart and just well executed. It was like, yeah, Christian music can be awesome. It, you know, they taught me that. Yeah. For me, I think, yeah. I think, you know, your comment about, um, Amy Grant in particular, what I admired oh, yeah. and, and had, you know, when I was a teenager and growing up, what I admired about her was the fact that she was a CCM artist, but she was a crossover mm-hmm. artist. So she was played totally. on secular radio. Uh, baby, baby. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I remember cranking that on the radio, cranking it on the cassette tape, you know, just, you know, such a good song. blowing the speakers and stuff. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say that uh, my musical influences were, um, um, were necessarily in the Christian world. Like I was a big sure. Michael Jackson fan. Uh, oh my God. How did I forget Michael Jackson? You know, Michael Jackson was just of a course. brilliant musician, a brilliant performer. 
And so for me, like he was uh, like, not only was he popular and, you know, had all these hits and everything else, but he was just very, very good. Now he had a very musical, um, uh, you know, family upbringing, right? In the Jackson (laughs) five. And then he goes off and does, does his thing. And uh, I thought everything he did was awesome. Um, But then I think back to groups like Queen, like musically, these guys are just so phenomenal, you know, blending their songs. And what I've always liked about uh, artists and groups, what attracts me to artists and groups, I guess is what I should say is, is when they have a unique sound and when their sound changes. And what I mean by that is if you listen to like Queen songs as an example, you could listen to five different songs and they're all queen, but they all sound completely different. You know how some sound, yes. some artists or bands all like every song kind of sounds the same. And I hate to say it, but to a certain extent, you too has that sound, right? To a certain fair, extent. That's fair. Right. That's fair. Um, and I'm not saying I don't like you too. I think they're great, but, but you know, with a group like queen, like every song is completely different. I'm thinking yeah. that is talent. That really is talent yeah. because they can they can handle so many different sounds and genres and and whatever else. So I liked Queen growing up, Michael Jackson, Amy Grant because of that whole crossover side. I can't mm. say that a, a many Christian artists influenced me as much. Yeah. You know, I grew up listening to Top Forty Radio, right? And so those are the you know, songs I would listen to. And and the funny thing is now is, is like my son, he'll be listening on Spotify and you know, how Spotify will automatically grab songs based on your, you know, listening preferences and whatnot. And every once in a while, a song will come on his playlist because he's got it cranked and, or we'll be listening to the radio driving somewhere and, and, and a song comes on and, and he'll say, Oh, this is a good song. I'll say, yeah, this is my era. Like this is, this is a great That's song, right. you know? And right. so That's he'll right. scribble it down or write it in his phone so he can add it to his playlist on spotify uh which is which is awesome and so i i grew up listening to secular radio and part of that for me was because i wanted to get into the radio business so for as as an example me listening to the radio with my siblings in the car going somewhere uh, even when i got my driver's license and we're driving somewhere together i'm listening to the radio and they're listening to the songs, and as soon as the song ends, they're hitting the button to change the station, and I'm getting upset because I'm not listening. I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to the song, but I'm, I'm listening to what the announcer does with that song. I'm listening right. to what the announcer's doing because I was getting into the whole radio thing. What are they talking about? How are they going to do a segue between that and the next song? Or, you know, are they going to say something funny? Or are they going to, you know, throw to a commercial? Or are they going to throw to a traffic report? Are they going to, um, you know, uh, do a an ad lib of some sort or do some comical thing like on a morning show or whatever. Like I would listen to all that stuff. To me, that intrigued me. To me, that was an art to do that and and make everything seem seamless with the music. You know what? I I have a similar story because even when I listen to music, even when a young age, I used to go to the library and grab records from the shelves and just listen and sit there and wait for my mom to come home and just listen to records at the library. And I would begin sort of piecing together, like, oh, this drummer sounds very similar to the drummer on this record, or that bass player, hmm, that's very similar to this record. And I would begin sort of connecting the dots right. to all these session players who would play on different records, especially in the CCM world. Because um, I'm like, wow, how many times can you see the names like Chris Rodriguez and Ashley Cleveland and Bob Carlisle? They, they sing and play on every single thing. And they were. They were playing on the 
Amy Grant stuff and the Michael stuff and Carmen stuff and this they're playing on all the same stuff. And for me, um, even like production wise, you know, I can hear the connections between producers. You know, I can hear like um, uh, Mutt Lang. I can hear the the how um, Def Leppard and Brian Adams for some reason sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Right. Same producer, yeah. same tricks involved. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it's, I'm always, I was, even at a young age, I was always listening to not just the music, but also like how the music was put together and the similarities and the connections there within. Even the artwork, I was always like fascinated by like who did the artwork and how was that produced and how was that process? And I love, yeah, I love the tunes. I love the artists. I love how they use their, their, their musicianship or their voice. Um, but also I love how just how things work together. Yeah. I love how the pieces all fit together and what that means when you pull them apart. That was always such a fascinating thing for me to find out and discover. From the radio perspective, I know one of the things when you go to radio school, one of the first things they teach you is is the fact that, you know, hours and hours and hours have gone into producing this three-minute song. And as, right. a, as a radio person, you could wreck it in 30 seconds or less, right? <laughs> And so how ruin it. So so how can you be you know present the song professionally, make it sound good with all the stuff that you're adding to it? You're not singing along or anything like that, but you know you're going to be doing a segue between that song and another song. So how can you do that right. the right way and and you know be promoting the artist and be promoting the radio station, everything that goes hand in hand with that. So yeah, for me, I would be analyzing. That was for me all the time was just kind of analyzing, and I still do that if I you know turn on the radio to another radio station other than the radio station I work for, I'll be analyzing and thinking, oh, what did they do there and how did they do that, right? right. And it's not just the music, it's it's everything in between. It could be the commercial break. And I, I was always, uh, one of the big attractions in Ontario, Canada is a place called Canada's Wonderland or Paramount Canada's oh, Wonderland yeah. or whatever else. And I remember back yeah. in the day when radio stations would broadcast live and you know, everybody else is, you know, going on rides and, you know, grabbing their food and whatever else there. And and I'm just standing in front of these, you know, it's all roped off and stuff, but I'm standing in front of where these guys are doing this live broadcast and I'm analyzing what they're doing. You know, I'm, I'm trying right, to figure out what right. are they doing and how are they doing that? And I'm thinking to myself, you know, wait, wait a minute. I, I've taken a little bit, you know, I was uh, by that time I was already involved a little bit in radio as far as schooling is sure. concerned. And I'm there and they had what what uh, in the past was known as cart uh, cartridges or carts that would play commercials and, and all the songs were on cartridges as well. And so you'd slap this cartridge. It's just like an eight track is what it is. It's okay. Uh, I gotcha. So, so yes. the, there's on one cartridge will be a song. And the only thing on that cart is a song and it's labeled and you'd know the intro time and everything else on this cart. Uh, and you'd have one cart for a commercial. You have another cart for a commercial. You have a, another cart for a station ID. And basically all these things run together. Right. And so I was always intrigued with, you know, these live broadcasts where the announcer is just goofing off behind the scenes and mingling with the crowd and everything else. <laughs> and all of a sudden he's got to go broadcaster. He's got to go on the mic and talk. And then he hits a button and all these commercials start playing after one after another and, and, and you know, somewhat automated form. Uh, or they would have a producer pushing all these buttons because how would you know one commercial ended before the next commercial starts? That sort of thing, right? Right. So I'm right, I'm yeah. trying to analyze behind the scenes what what they're doing, and thinking to myself, yeah, I could get into that. 
you know, that looks like a lot of fun. I remember going to um, the Canadian National Exhibition um, before it was on. So it was a few weeks before this thing happened. So every year, the Canadian National Exhibition, the X, as it's known, uh, or the Mm -hmm. CNE, it happens for three weeks, I guess, in August leading up to Labor Day. And it's kind of the big finale of summer. It's one of my favorite things every summer. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So it was a few weeks before the official start of the CNE and there was a radio station broadcasting live from the CNE and they had their remote vehicle. So it was like this big um, um, caravan or whatever, whatever, what do you call these, like a motorhome type thing, right? Yeah. 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 And they're broadcasting live. Well, I happen to know, um, I think he was at the time the assistant music director and mm. I went to school with him. So I sent him a note or called him or whatever else. And I said, you know, hey, I'd like to swing by and say hello. And and really, I just wanted to see what was going on in this, you know, sure. motorhome on how they were broadcasting live and stuff. So it was funny because it, it was a top 40 radio station. And there's a huge crowd of people around the door to this thing. And I just walking up, excuse me, excuse me, knock on the door. They look through the peephole or through the camera, whatever else. They see it's me. They let me in. So they think I'm somebody famous. Right. Right. <laughs> right? And then I, I don't even know who the announcer was, but uh, I guess the announcer had finished his shift. And so the announcer plus this guy who I knew who at the time was the assistant music director and myself all walk out at the same time. And so, again, somebody, you know, everybody thinks I'm famous or something. No, I'm just a guy visiting. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> As it turns out, this assistant music director is one, like, this big wig in the radio world now. I mean, huge. Oh, wow. Like, one of the yeah. biggest guys at one of the big state, like, one of the big networks, if you want to call it that. And, uh, yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. You know, <laughs> the dream. <laughs> it was so That's funny. so good. Yeah. Kind of uh, digressing a-, a little bit from our co- conversation and our topic. No, but, uh, it's, but, yeah. It's all good. It's Just all good. Memories. I love that. I had um I had a friend of mine whose dad was a big uh, Canadian rock star, and he had a place up, in, uh, yeah, in Richmond Hill, so the northern part of Richmond Hill, and and I remember uh, uh, he was like, "Hey man, come on over, let's uh play some video games, working some music." I'm like, "Yeah, sounds good." So I went there, and um, his dad had a studio in the basement, and his dad was like super cool. It was kind of like, "Yeah, you use a studio whenever you're here, like go for it. Who cares?" And it was a f- like a full on studio. It was great, and I pretty much used it every time like usually like twice or three times a month i would just show up and he'd be like yeah go ahead (laughs) (laughs) we'll just give you a key at this point drew it's fine um but there's one particular time um uh, i went over there and um they're all everybody was in the pool they're all in the backyard in the pool and uh and i was like yeah okay well uh i'll I'll go down to to the studio and i was cranking up some music i was cranking up like uh, it was uh, this band called I Mother Earth, which I just loved. I just loved one of their albums. It was so, so good. And it was a mix between them and uh, another band I can't remember now. I was just cranking it up. Huge. And so his dad comes in. He's kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. You like this album? Like, yeah, this is one of my favorite records. You know, it's, it's so good. The like, production is just so clean. The guitar player, uh, Jag Tana, is just an incredible musician. Um and he's like, oh, okay, cool, man, cool, cool, cool. Why don't you come up for a swim real quick? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I'll borrow like someone's trunks and we'll just go and have a party. Yeah, sure, no problem. So I go upstairs, you know, put my trunks on, I get out there. The band I Mother Earth was in the pool. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? What is this real life? And 
and, and, and I was like trying to play it cool. I'm like, hey, hey guys, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, just playing no, your no, music. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they can hear it. It was cranked oh, yeah, so downstairs. The, right, yeah. right, okay. So, they're like, oh yeah, she like that album. I'm like, no, that's, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. And yeah, I think it's, and they were great. They were super cool and very, very nice. But like, I well, when I finished geeking out about their production techniques, because <laughs> everything sounds so beautiful and so clean on that record, it made me realize how much we as people who love music, um, we absorb and assimilate so much information. Like it's, because like you said, in terms of like your, your story about like going to Canada's Wonderland on the CNA, like you're not just like, oh, what they're doing is cool, but you are trying to study every single move they make. Right. You're trying to learn like. And, and, like, and, and the cool factor wasn't the personality, the radio personality. I really could That's care right. less, right. right? It That's was right. it was how are they doing that? How are they making it sound exactly. the way they're making it sound? Yeah. Exactly. And so in my response to them, not once did I ever say, Hey man, I love the play the way you played guitar. Can you show me something? It was like, So how'd you guys <laughs> mic the drums? How'd you guys what? Right. And they caught on to that. I was all I was talking about production. Now their playing is amazing. Yeah. But but by learning all their parts. <laughs> so I, I had that down pat. Um for me it was like how did you guys make it sound so good? How, and they caught, they're like, interesting. You must be a producer. And I was like, oh no, I was, this was like, I don't know. This is like before I was in production. I'm, I'm like, not really. Like, no, you are dude. <laughs> like now like, is, is it fair yeah. to say, is it fair to say that a, a, a producer cranks it? What do you mean? Well, what I mean by that is because I'm not a music producer, but but I do have a studio where I do some voiceover work and stuff, and and it probably bothers my kids because at one point, if I'm editing, I'm cranking it because I want to hear everything. I want to hear the true sound. I want to hear exactly the way it should sound, uh, the way it's sounding now. Um, I've got you know I've got um, two sets of speakers in my home studio. I've got my just regular speakers that I'll listen to, you know, on my laptop, my computer or whatever else. And when I'm yeah. doing some voiceover work or uh, some other production work, those are the speakers I'll use. But when I get into the editing mode, that's the time where I'm going to flip over to the really, really good speakers and crank it. And I, I mean, these are separate speakers with an amp to drive them. I mean, they're very, very right. powerful speakers. And it's not that I want to crank it for the sake of bothering somebody as much as I want to hear exactly what it sounds like. And and that's why I say do producers typically like to crank it because how else are you going to hear it? Are you going to crank up your headphones or you're going to crank up the monitors to, right. to hear what it really sounds like? And yeah, and, and quite frankly, you know, I got a lot of power on this amp to drive these speakers. Might as well use it. Why not? You know, if the whole <laughs> house not? is shaking, sorry, kids. Exactly. Right. I'm, I'm a little bit of the opposite though. It's true. Yeah. A lot of producers will crank it. Um, and they will just think they want to hear every nuance, which makes sense to me. Um, I'm, if I'm tracking, so if I'm like tracking drums, yeah, everything's cranked. It's, it's, it's whatever, wherever I'm tracking something, recording something, whether it's guitars or drums, um, I make sure that everything's cranked because that's when I can feel it. If it feels good, then then that's what you want to capture. Yeah, but even if you're when mixing, in- if you're mixing, like doing the final mix, you want to crank well, it too because you want to make sure that as you're you know reviewing each channel, you want to make sure the EQ is right. Like you want that kick drum to sound as best as it can. Like obviously you're gonna you're sure. gonna deal with that in the recording initially, anyways. 
But in the final production, you probably still want to crank it. Maybe just that channel before you start doing your mix down or something like that, because maybe, you know, I'm sure some do for me. It's like when I'm like in editing mode, I keep it quiet because I'm going to be listening to this over and over and over and over and over again. The last thing I want to do is tire my ears out too soon. Right. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, I'm at a nice level. And then when I need to work on playback, okay, let me sort of sit back and hear what it sounds like. Then I crank it up and then I go back, turn back down and go back to work in terms of editing. When I'm in like mixing, I actually keep it quiet until I'm, I feel that we're almost at the end of the mix. And then I crank it up because if it sounds good, quiet, it's going to sound good, big. And so for me, if I can keep it just at a good level where it's not, not quiet where you you know, have to put your ear right to the speaker, but it's at a pretty good level where I can not tire out my ears. Then for me, I'm like, if it sounds good here, it's going to sound amazing when it's cranked. Right. And so when I'm just at the end, I'm just kind of like, okay, the drums feel good. Bass feels good. Guitars are nice. I think I'm almost there. Then I crank it up and I'll listen to it like three or four times. I'll even leave the room with my door open and actually do other things in the house. Right. Because if it sounds good down the hall, you know it's going to sound, right? So that's when I crank it up and just listen to it. Because for me, volume, volume can also hide things. Volume sometimes can like um, fake you out um, because you're so focused on how good it feels loud that you're not able to hear the nuances involved. So I try and do a little bit of both. It's quiet, loud, quiet, loud. I attended a church a number of years ago where uh, we purchased brand new um, main speakers for the auditorium or the sanctuary, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And I, yep. I was there when the uh, company that we purchased the equipment from came to install everything. And of course, part of the install is testing to make sure it all works. And part of the process as well is making sure everything's EQ'd properly, everything's balanced and and all that other stuff. And um you know, you want to make sure your speakers are, if you want to call it, I mean, without getting too technical, they wanted to have a flat EQ. So everything, this is the way it would sound. If you just play a regular track on CD or wherever you're getting the audio right. from, uh, it right. would sound great at this flat EQ. And, and then, of course, you can adjust it on the board and everything else after the fact. So they were doing all their testing. They had the speakers installed. Can you guess what song they were cranking through the speakers to do that assessment? Oh. I understand this is a church. I would have done. I don't. I don't know. I would have done like a, the biggest rock song I can think of, like a, like a Queen or ACDC or something like old school rock. Yeah. Michael Jackson Thriller. That makes sense to me. Yeah, and that, they're just cranking this thing perfectly mixed. Yeah. So so they were they were playing Michael Jackson's Thriller, and of course every you know right from the beginning with the you know, um, you know the dramatic start of it. Um, yep. Right through the end with the laughter and. everything else uh it was a great song and they would just play this thing over and over again while they're just you know getting all the levels correct on the on the multi-band eq system and uh and i don't even think it was digital at that point it was all manual so they're adjusting stuff as they go just to get this flat eq sound so everything sounded great yeah but yeah it's interesting (laughs) yeah that makes a lot of sense to me yeah. So a lot of modern music is so hyped in on certain frequencies, like it's you know super high end, lots of low end. Where like um, that album, the Thriller album, um, good old Quincy Jones, it is sonically one of the most perfect albums I've ever heard. Um, it is just, and not that it's like again because it's not hyped. It just everything sounds good. Everything sits well in the mix. Yeah. 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 That's I, <laughs> those guys knew what they were doing. I I fully agree. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just thought I'd throw that in. That was a freebie for you. That's cool. Yeah. So, That's cool. I like that. Uh, so if you happen to go to a church and you hear Michael Jackson's Thriller, uh, you can't get upset, folks. That's right. Now that's yeah, an old song like now, but I mean, you know, it could be some newer songs that uh, churches are, they're just testing the system. They're just testing. Just so. testing the system. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. <laughs> so we've chatted oh, about, um, we've chatted about mentors. We've chatted about, um, you know, what has influenced us growing up musically. Uh, and part of, part of that too was how music was presented to us. Right. Yeah. Uh, totally. Because don't forget, you know, growing up, the music you listened to could have been what your parents listened to because you had no choice. As, right. as a younger child, right. you're listening to whether it's the gospel greats or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, whatever. So, That's right. Yeah. So so you're kind of stuck with that. I, you know, growing up listening to music, whether it be watching music videos, which were a big thing back in the day. Yes. Not as much now, but they had, you know, TV stations. And all they did was Gosh. play music videos. And so you get home from school and you crank those up and watch, yeah. you know, what's happening in the video because that itself just told a whole story right there. So I miss those days. I miss day the days when music videos mattered. When, yeah, like MTV and much music and VH1 and like, I miss that. It was, I mean, yeah, they still make music videos. Sure, 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 sure. But it's just... It, the, the culture, the music video, video culture, just isn't there as a way. Yeah, as it, which is too bad because there there was a there was a following, uh, at least in my era, where people would you know you would want to watch the music videos, you'd want to yeah. see, and what's the next one? Or if it's a countdown show, they're going to play the top ten videos. Well, ten videos for you know that amount of that number of songs, that's maybe a full hour program. What's going to be right. number one this week, you know, and, right. and you'll have yeah. your favorite videos like it. And, and I don't even think that the music video uh, countdown was necessarily based on the quality of the music no, as much as the quality right. of the video production. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. and I can think that's of right. a number of videos where it's like, yeah, the song wasn't amazing, but the video was a, I'm so like incredible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, there's I that too. The VJs. I was like, even like the VJs, like the video jockeys who were there. I miss that. I miss all of that, man. Yeah. They would go to like live show, live concerts or live festivals and do like a, like an in-person interview and it would, it would always be live. So it'd just be like a little more edgy than, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it always, mistakes would always happen. Right. Errors would always happen. I, I love that stuff. I miss that stuff. No, so now we're talking about music, obviously, because this is a music podcast between the groups, yes, right? It is. Yes, but it it's is. interesting you talk about that whole live element because that really, you know, moves us towards the whole conversation about um, pre-produced recorded music. Right. Okay. Versus versus live shows. And right. then the radio side of that is a live radio show before you know, as compared to a pre-recorded show right. and i'm i'm right. a huge fan of live radio like to me that yeah. is yeah. what it's all about now particularly during the morning show because that's when a lot of people are listening they're in their cars they're on their way to work or they're on their way to school and they want to hear what's happening in the news they want to hear what's happening with the traffic reports or what's the weather going to be like driving home they want to hear what's right. happening in their community it's that local live element that i just love uh but the same could be said about music where you know you listen to a great album, you listen to a great song, and it's it's produced. It's phenomenal. It's a great song. What's it going to sound like live? Right. 
can they reproduce that live? And very often they don't necessarily recreate the song the same way in the live version. Sometimes it's com- something completely different. Maybe it's an acoustic version or maybe it, there's different instruments and it still sounds great. Like to me, that's right. magic, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I've always been a fan of like when it comes to music, I actually never really cared whether or not it sounds like the recorded version. It just needs to be as awesome as the recorded version. And so it could be stripped down. It could be like totally maxed up. It could be like a different arrangement. Just give me something that's great. Just just move me, you know, give me yeah. something that can be like, that can blow my mind. Um, and I remember seeing an artist, um, he's a local singer songwriter, Donovan, Donovan Woods. And he's actually um, a songwriter for a lot of uh, Nashville um, uh, 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 country artists. I think he's written for like Keith Urban and, lady antebellum and like he's he's the real deal but when he as an artist he's just you know it's a guy in 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 guelph ontario just hanging out i remember seeing him live numerous times i remember seeing him live the first time and i was just kind of like this guy is one of the best writers and performers i've seen super chill very relaxed no antics just very understated and i took his record home and i was like yeah yeah (laughs) the songs were great but I was kind of like, I actually preferred the live version of that. It, it moved me. It was like, oh, this guy was bringing me to tears. It was so powerful and wonderful. And it, and it was a great connection there. So for me, I'm like, I don't really care as long as it just does something to me. As long right. as it moves me. Now, yeah. we, we did have a conversation a while back, and I don't remember who it was, but it was it was interesting. It was, it was a group. And I remember the conversation was geared around the fact that a group can produce a song and record this song. And very often when it comes down to now, okay, we're, we've got concert series coming up or we've got a tour coming up. Right, right. How can we take this song and reproduce this song so it sounds like the album? Not not identical to the album but similar to the yeah, album so people recognize it sure. so there's that yes. part too especially if you have totally. these weird sounds in the song that kind of make the song how can you recreate that in a live environment so there's that element too and that's creativity yeah. that's that's again totally. you know, that whole production element uh, side of things so yeah well that has been a great conversation drew this is um it's interesting i can't believe we talked about everything from who has influenced us growing up to you know, how the music has shaped us. And I really like the tie in with the whole radio side, because to me, that's been a big part of the music for me. And then, you know, talking about artists that have influenced us as well. It's been a great conversation. I like this. Let's do this more, man. More of this, please. Well, we've, we've had people asking us to do it. So I guess we should. I think we should too. And our artist advice this week, coming from a guest that we had last year, Emily Faith. Keep on going. Um, I know a lot of people say that and you hear it a lot in the industry, but it's so true because you'll go through a lot of downs. You will. Um, But in the end, those downs just make the highs so much better and so much more worth it. So if you keep going, you keep pushing through and you keep being resilient, um, then once once you hit the top, then it'll be so amazing and you'll be really really glad that all of that hard work paid off yeah keep on going or like as uh dory from finding nemo nemo would say keep on swimming like just (laughs) keep swimming i think it's so important you know being just like with anything in life it's about endurance it's about you know focus and and propelling yourself forward and um i think that's so important you you there's a time to give up there's time to walk away for sure 
but you got to just keep moving. You got to keep moving. With the year that we've had, the last 12 months, I mean, it has been a roller coaster for, for many mm-hmm. people. And it doesn't matter in the music business or any other business for that standpoint. Um, you know, if you keep going, keep hanging on, uh, keep doing what you do well and what you want to do. Um, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, so right. she definitely brings that message home. Emily Faith with Artist Advice this week. And that is it for today's episode. Yeah, we are That's out it. of time. Did you hear? listen to the music? That means we are out of time. Oh, when that music man. starts, we are out of time. So uh, we hope you enjoyed the show this week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for new episodes every Monday. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. That just helps us reach more people. And hey, if you like Facebook, you like Twitter, you can find us there at Between Grooves. Connect with us there. Like the page. Follow us on Twitter. And we would love to chat it up. Tell us some ideas of what we can do differently. Artists we can bring on. You know, maybe even hang out for the community court board. Send us your details. Let's see what happens. Join us there. And we'll see you next time right here on Between the Grooves. Between the Grooves.